Guy here with a quick message before we get on with the pod. As a thank you to our most dedicated and loyal viewers and listeners to Blood Red, we're inviting you to join our Blood Red Club. By joining, you'll get access to insider transfer content as well as interviews with former favourites and those connected at Anfield. All you need to do is head to bloodredpodcast.co.uk, enter your email address and our exclusive content will head to your inbox. That's bloodredpodcast.co.uk. Thanks. Now on with the show. This is the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest podcast from the Blood Red channel. I'm Matt Addison and on this episode of the show, I'm joined by the excellent Tom Midler from the other Bundesliga podcast. We'll be looking into some Red Bull Salzburg and Liverpool links, starting with Takumi Minamino, a player that so many had so much hope for when he moved from Austria to Anfield 18 months or so ago, it just hasn't quite clicked for him at Liverpool just yet. We'll then move on to Patson Dacker, a forward at Red Bull Salzburg now, who Liverpool are being linked with. With 54 goals in 82 league games for Salzburg, you can certainly see why. We started though by having a look at the reasons for Minamino's struggles and had a chat in general really about the Japanese forward and his time as a Liverpool player so far. Yeah, he really caught the eye in his time at Salzburg. He was a great player to watch and uh, we were all pretty happy to see him get a big move, especially to a club like Liverpool and to see what he can do in the Premier League. Obviously, it hasn't worked out uh, seamlessly since then, but I, st- I still think there's a lot of potential to be unlocked with Minamino in England. Yeah, I think it was 64 goals, 44 assists when he was over in Austria with Salzburg. I mean, those numbers in around about 200 games, it, that's really, really good. Those are seriously good numbers. It's similar for Japan as well. You can kind of see why Liverpool were interested in him. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's good that you mentioned that his stats are relatively similar for Japan because actually it's the same in Austria. You can make a case about the Bundesliga not being you know, one of the top strongest leagues in, in Europe, but his stats are pretty similar whether he's played in the Champions League, in the Bundesliga here in Austria, in the national team, and uh, almost to a certain extent in his limited time at Liverpool, the, the game time, it still sort of holds up on that statistical ratio. So he's proven that he's a good goal scorer, he's a good assist provider, and he's a very talented, creative player. Yeah, I spoke actually to his, his former manager, Jesse Marsh, last summer, and he kind of said that his best position was maybe as a, a number eight or, or maybe as a false nine. We've kind of seen him more off the left for Liverpool. What do you think his best position is and, and where did he play most frequently when he was at Salzburg? Well, I think he's got the talent to to play in either of those positions, really. I mean, you saw, I guess, Liverpool fans would have seen in the Champions League against Liverpool how he, he sort of ran down the flanks and really exploited space in that Champions League game at Anfield uh, a couple of seasons back. But then more often he was switched into the centre in a way for Salzburg. They like to play these these balls into to the players in that sort of false nine position. And he was great at, at this, this quick passing. It was the vision for a quick pass that made him the perfect player in that false nine. So he'd knock it into him somewhere around about the D. And uh, even if he was marked up by three or four players, he'd often be able to find a way to just squeeze a ball through into the penalty area and just set up a colleague for either a, a dangerous attacking cross or a direct chance in on goal. And that's how he created a lot of danger. So I'd wager that with Minamino, there were also a lot of, um, I guess, hockey assists, as you'd call it, these sort of second assists as well, where he uh, he provided the, the assist for the assist provider. When he moved to Liverpool, did you think it was a move that stylistically made sense? Was it one that you thought, yeah, I can kind of see him fitting in there? I think definitely there's always that case with with Salzburg, the way they play this quick pressing football. I know there's a lot of different types of press and in fact, tons of teams play a press of some kind these days. So it's not just as simple as saying, oh yeah, he plays from one pressing team, he'll fit in another pressing team. But there there definitely seem to be 
sort of philosophical similarities with the way that uh, the Klopp sets up and the way that Marsh had his Salzburg side set up. And Minamino had experienced a few different sort of setups at Salzburg, but they all had that in common. So it seems like a move. I know sometimes you see players go, you know, perhaps when they move to the Premier League, you move, uh, maybe a young player moves to a, to a Chelsea or whatever, and you think, why are they moving there? They're not going to get any game time. I don't think we had that feeling when when Minamino moved to Liverpool that it, that it was kind of going to be a waste of his talents or going to be a move that was a dead end for him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think one of the, the big issues for, for him within English football has almost been the physicality of it. Do you think that's a, a fair assessment of, of what we've seen so far? And I'm guessing maybe in Austria, he didn't quite have that same issue. I think that that is fair to say, you know, the Premier League is, is famous for that that type of football and the type of players you come up against. You know, there are the, the Austrian Bundesliga for all its improvements. It's getting a lot better. You can't say that the Bundesliga defending is the same quality as the Premier League defending. It, it simply isn't. So, uh, of course, it was always going to be a big step up for Takumi Minamino. But then I think at the same time, it's it's almost to keep things in in perspective a little bit. It's quite difficult in football that when you sign a player for a bargain as it was, as Liverpool did with Minamino, uh, any expectation of him sort of becoming uh, a first name on the team sheet or becoming very, very regularly in the starting eleven was perhaps even unrealistic. And I'm sure that Klopp is not even really that worried about his progress, maybe, because he's, he's shown signs at Liverpool, you know, putting him out on loan was probably a, a good option as well. And it's not like, um, it's not like he's been, yeah, completely lost there or, or, or not being able to sort of make any impact at all. I think it's just the, the simple fact that it takes time to adjust, it takes time to develop. Um, and Minamino probably was not signed as somebody who was designed to, to get, you know, 90 minutes every weekend. Yeah, you mentioned the, the sort of adjustment there. And I think it's important to mention that, particularly at the moment, we're in a pandemic still. He's not really been able to adjust to living in a new country particularly easily. He's kind of a shy character from what I gather as well. He's not somebody who's big and, and outgoing and, and that sort of thing. I think the two of those things together must have made it incredibly difficult to move from Austria to England, try and settle. It can't have been easy for him, can it? No, I think it's uh, that's quite a sympathetic viewpoint. And I think it's fair to take that because I think we, we, we do forget these days, you know, that these are young guys and... I think especially if you move from South America or potentially moving from Asia, as, as in Minamino's case, it's not easy just simply to adjust to, you know, applying your trades. You know, you're, you're making a career in a completely different country in a very high pressure environment. And yeah, of course, as a, as a top level footballer, you've got to be able to deal with that. But it doesn't make it any easier and it doesn't mean that everybody can handle it. And I know at Salzburg, they're very sensitive with these things. They've got a scouting network. You know, it's widely re uh, regarded as being the best scouting network in the whole world, in fact, and they've got scouts in South America and Africa and Asia. And they also have a really good sort of method of, of bedding players in to, to Europe. That's what Liefering, the feeder club does, and that's what Salzburg do. They, they give players this, this time to adjust in Europe simply, not just on a footballing level, but on a personal level. And they... They do everything else that, that comes with that. You know, the, the the Japanese staff at Salzburg are there. You know, you've got your interpreters, you've got everybody you need. It's not like he'll be isolated, particularly at, at Liverpool, but it's easy to feel that way when suddenly you go from a club where you have Japanese teammates, you have a, a Japanese staff set and you've got the, the sort of Japanese media here, the, the ones that, uh, that the Japanese players know quite well. And then it is a, a, another new adjustment to move to the Premier League. And hopefully it's one that, that he can make and, and sort of feel comfortable and, and enjoy himself too, because surely that's the, the best, um, yeah, the best conditions for, for him to enjoy his football and, and play well. 
Is he a player, do you think, that relies a lot on confidence? I think the best we've probably seen of him in a Liverpool shirt is that Crystal Palace game last season, the 7-0. He scored the first goal in that. And you could see visibly the rest of that game. He played a lot better off the back of that. Is that a fair thing to, to say? Do you think he really does need that kind of injection of, of confidence? I mean, I could only speculate, really, but I think, yeah, for a player like Minamino, it probably is quite a big deal. Um, in Salzburg, you've got this winning mentality. Everybody is used to it. It's a culture of winning. They go into every game knowing that, that you know, these guys are the, are the best in the country. They're going to win the game. They're going to win the league. Um, you know, no matter how much they're challenged, they've got that sort of self-belief behind them. And I think when you move to the Premier League or, or when a Bundesliga player here moves to any of the other leagues, the German Bundesliga, Serie A, whatever, they probably do need some sort of self-assurance. Um, when you get a few goals, a few sort of calls up to the starting eleven, just something behind you to, to sort of reaffirm it for yourself, that you're good enough, that you've answered your critics. You know, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of pressure on you when you move up and people saying, are you good enough? Can you do it from the Austrian Bundesliga or the Austrian Bundesliga is a farmer's league or whatever? If you, I, th I think it probably does need a few goals and, and, and a good spell, really. Maybe more than just, just one game or, or a couple of goals here or there for you to really look at yourself and say, hey, you know, I am good enough to do this and, and answer the questions for Minamino himself rather than just for the critics too. So I think a good run, um, you know, the loan spell was a good idea and getting him a bit more game time and a bit more confidence is is definitely something useful for him, I think. From how I understand it, I think once Jesse Marsh came into to Red Bull Salzburg, that was really when we saw Takumi take a next step over there. I mean, firstly, would that be a fair thing to say? And, and secondly, how much of an influence do you think Jesse Marsh was on Takumi Minamino? Yeah, Jesse Marsh is known for... He's, he's very well respected and very well liked by the players at Red Bull Salzburg. Everybody said that on a personal man management level, he was a, a real step up for them and they really enjoyed working with him um, in, in that sense. So that was almost one of his, his biggest things. His, his results in, in Salzburg as a coach were pretty much as you'd expect. Um, that They were good, they were solid, but they were not um, a massive step up from the Red Bull Salzburg sides we've seen in the past. But the feedback from the players almost is what uh, what cemented Marsh's reputation here. So I have no no reason to expect that that was any different for, for Minamino in his case. Um, I don't know exactly the nature of their relationship, but uh, as you said, Minamino is fairly shy. I didn't speak to the media too much, so we didn't hear too many interviews about him sort of praising Marsh openly, but um, he looked very comfortable and, and he played, yeah, he was very, very dangerous in his time at Salzburg. There's kind of been a, a couple of sort of links um with sort of an exit from Liverpool. And obviously, we know that Jesse Marsh is, is moving to Leipzig. It kind of makes a little bit of sense to me that maybe Leipzig might be interested in him. I don't know whether you sort of would agree with that from what you know of, of the pair over in Austria. I think if he was to leave and, and try and get his career back on track, it, it maybe could make a little bit of sense. I certainly couldn't deny that. You know, the links are, are very strong no matter what they say. The two, the two clubs will always have this uh, this relationship. You know, there's been so many players over the years that have gone directly from Salzburg to, to Leipzig. And I say over the years, I mean, really in the last decade. So uh, that those uh, those figures are only increasing year on year. Um, so I suppose, in a way, the only thing I think that would put Minamino off a, a Leipzig move would be, it would almost be an admission of a failure in that sense, that, that he would move away from the Premier League. And it would be like kind of going back towards a comfort zone which, you know, in itself is not necessarily a bad thing. But um, I think I think sticking it out at Liverpool, if possible, would uh, would would be a good option for him. You know, I, I hope he can do that and I hope he can, can 
can break through there. And as I said at the beginning of the, the interview, really, I think it's it's easy to to forget that you know a good top Premier League side like Liverpool, you, you need more than eleven really really good players. And if you've got the, the player with with the attacking quality of Minamino, the passes that he can pick, the the dribbling, the runs he can make on the ball, if a player like that is your third choice and you can keep him happy uh, and make him feel like he's improving for, for a year or 18 months or so, then, you know, that's how you form a, a very strong Premier League squad, really. So uh, I hope that he can stick it out there. Yeah, definitely. Just lastly on Minamino before we move on to, to Pats and Dakar. I mean, he's obviously moved straight from Salzburg to Liverpool. Did he almost miss a step there? Would it have been better for him to go to Leipzig first and then to Liverpool? Did he make it a too big a jump, I suppose, is, is the question I'm asking. That's a really good question. I mean, it's it's always hard to say that and, and everything is results-based these days. So if he does move on to Leipzig, then maybe you can say that he, he missed a step. But I think at the time it was the right move and I don't think there was anything, um, you know, there were only, I don't think there were any huge alarm bells as to why he shouldn't have made that move necessarily. But I think when you look at the ambition and the pressure that's on at Leipzig these days, you know, Abby Leipzig are probably going into each season now as the main contenders to Bayern in the Champions League, sorry, in the uh, German Bundesliga and in the Champions League they're they're pushing to win it. You know, Leipzig's aim at the start of the season these days would be to get to the final or, or to win the Champions League. So in some senses, other than the fact that the German Bundesliga is not quite as, as highly regarded as the Premier League, you know, of course, they're sort of top top two, three, four leagues in the world uh, in terms of their, their reputation. But I think the step down from, from Liverpool to Leipzig in terms of club stature, there is a difference in terms of that, uh, the sort of history and stature, of course, between the clubs. But in terms of the pressure that's on, and the quality of football that's being played, I don't think it's a huge difference. I don't think you could say really that Leipzig is is a stepping stone these days to to a club like Liverpool. I think it's um, you know the ambitions and the goals would be be pretty similar. Yeah, certainly be interesting to to see what happens with Minamino this summer. If a big enough offer was to be put on the table, I do wonder whether Liverpool might be just tempted to take it. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. If they were to lose him, they would then have to bring in another body, as you mentioned before, to kind of replace him within the squad. Patson Dacca is being linked with Liverpool extensively at the moment. And I have to be honest, he's not a player that I've seen a great deal of, to be fair. I mean, how good a player is Patson Dacca, Tom? And what sort of style does he have as a footballer? I mean, the truth is he's looked fantastic in the Austrian Bundesliga. Again, with that caveat in the Austrian Bundesliga, uh, that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And the truth is you never really know how a player is going to go when they develop from this league. Um, I think the Austrian Bundesliga in the last 10, 12 years or so has moved up from, you know, it's a big difference between being around sort of 18th to the 20th best league in Europe to the sort of 7th to 10th best league. That That is a big difference. And there's a lot of comparable leagues where people would probably think these leagues are much stronger than Austria, but actually in the coefficient, things like the Eredivisie in Holland, are, you know, have been below the Austrian league in recent years. So it is a strong league and Dakar's incredible goal scoring form in the Austrian Bundesliga do suggest that he, he, has all the, the tools. He's got the capability of making it at a, at a bigger club, at a bigger league. You never know until it happens. But um, the only thing that we've really missed from Patson Dakar is this real run in the Champions League. Salzburg have had some good games in the Champions League over the past few years. I mean, Liverpool have seen it firsthand. They can attack brilliantly, but uh, the defence in the Champions League has always cost Salzburg um, a, a lot in these, these ultimate group stage uh, exits each year for the last couple of seasons. And so Dakar, with his injury this year, he missed a large part of Salzburg's Champions League campaign. 
and never really sunk his teeth into the Champions League in the season just gone by. So I think that's the main thing that he's missing is that he hasn't really demonstrated his ability on that uh, European stage yet. Do you think that would be enough to, to put off potential suitors? I think it's 34 goals, 12 assists in about 42 games last season. But as you say, none of them in the Champions League or the Europa League. It, it kind of feels like a, a bit of a missing box that he needs to tick before he moves on to a Liverpool or, or a team of that kind of stature. Yeah, it does a little bit. I'm disappointed with Salzburg, the fact that going out of the Champions League each year, that's to be expected. And they finished third in each of their groups, which have been really tough groups, you know, Atletico Madrid, Bayern Munich, Liverpool, huge teams that they've played against. Um, But then when they've dropped down into the Europa League, we've been thinking, great, what a chance now for players like Dakar to establish themselves in European football, maybe a run to the semis, run to the finals for Salzburg. And they've gone out on the first occasion at uh, both times in the last two two years, hard draws in fairness. But um, it's it has stopped players like Dakar picking up a lot of European experience. So on the one hand, yes, I think that will factor into people's decision making that he's only got the Austrian Bundesliga to really be to be uh, analysed. But at the same time, I think that's offset a little bit by the fact that when you sign a player from Salzburg, the cost is just so low in comparison to to you know what people are talking about when you when you talk about some established players in established leagues that the fees are are so different. I mean, we saw that the Minamino fee was incredibly low. It was almost almost nothing for a Premier League side. And DACA would be worth considerably more at this point in time. But at, this, at the same time, it's the, the transfer fee would be very low. So in in essence, it's quite a low risk uh, move for somebody like DACA. And when he's scored as many goals as he had, uh, as he has, then it might just be worth it anyway. I suppose the one thing he does have in his favour is that he's successfully filled the Erling Haaland void, which is certainly a, a big one. How do, do they compare, do you think? I'm sure Haaland is a much better player. He's got a higher ceiling. But is there a comparison to be made in terms of the Salzburg thing? I think the Haaland thing is uh, it's a difficult one because... In a way, Patson Dacca had only one job and he had one responsibility, and that was to fill in to the shoes of Erling Haaland, which is no easy task. And, you know, when Haaland is then immediately leaving the Austrian Bundesliga and making headlines around world football, you know, such an exciting talent since, uh, well, in, in Austria as well, but since he's left Austria, the pressure on Dacca to actually replicate that. He's another, he's a, he's a young guy, he's a shy guy, he's a, it's sort of a quietly spoken guy. You did wonder whether, given that he's sort of character-wise, kind of a polar opposite to, to Holland, whether it would work out. Um, you know, Holland's got this this brash style. He's he's very bold, and I think I think Holland had this X factor that we really could see. He's got that that extra thing that just makes him special. And you look at his, his the way he plays football. It, it seems like once he gets into a penalty area, he's a guy who can do anything. And he's young and he's got massive self-confidence. And as you say, his ceiling looks absolutely huge. I'm not sure if it's the same for Dakar, but at this point in the, in the comparison, he's done everything that, that could have possibly been asked of him. His goal records in the Austrian Bundesliga for the last two seasons have been exemplary. You know, you can always rely on Pats and Dakar. It's basically a, a cheat code in the Austrian Bundesliga fantasy football this year, which... Uh, is is something which you know I, I don't do that very seriously, but I do stick together a fantasy football team here in Austria. And you're a fool if you don't just leave Dakar as your captain because you're pretty much guaranteed he's going to get a goal, maybe two every week. Um, doesn't get too many assists. He's more a sort of an out and out centre forward rather than a player like Holland, who you feel like once he's in the box, he he's just going to knock everybody out of the way, whether he's got the ball at his feet or whether he's going for a header. It's a bit different with Dakar, but 
his finishing is is fantastic. His vision to to run, his runs over the top, his runs in behind the defence are lightning fast and timed well and are very very accurate. And that's been a complete recipe for success in Austria. So if you know on that alone, he's got to be a, a dangerous opponent in, in any league really. And with a bit of uh, with a bit of coaching, a bit of training to adjust to to a new league. I think Daka could still be a very, very dangerous weapon, even if he's not so much of a, a sort of an all-around threat as Holland is. Has he ever played out wide, Patson Daka, or is he just purely a central striker? Certainly his main position has been the central striker. If he has been out wide, it's just been in sort of tactical variations when Jesse Marsh has been trying to mix things up and, and make use of, of Daka's pace in, in, a, in a little switch. But for the most part, he's he's deployed straight down the middle and it really suits the way Salzburg play football. They've got this this sort of win the ball back and go forward as quickly as you can and overwhelm the opposition with with immediate football. And yeah, he's he's the perfect player for that because Salzburg can be defending. Uh, Dak is lurking around the centre spot and lo and behold, you know, literally three or four seconds later, he's got the ball in the back of the net. So it's it's very much down the middle for, for Salzburg and for, for Dakar. Do you know why there's not really been any links again with, with Leipzig for him? I mean, the way that you describe him there, he almost sounds a little bit Timo Werner-ish in that he can sort of get in behind, finish well. Maybe not finish well for Timo Werner this season, but certainly in previous seasons. It, it kind of strikes me as a, an obvious one that, that Leipzig might have been interested in. It could be. And still, I wouldn't be surprised if these rumours do suddenly start to, to come around and we do end up seeing a, a shock transfer for, for uh, Dakar to Leipzig one day. But... Um, the gut feeling is that he will move on this this summer, uh, whenever that may be, uh, before the new season. I think when it comes to Leipzig, the fact that they've just taken Soboslai, the Hungarian sort of uh, Salzburg star player, and in in recent years they've taken so many now, and and they are trying to they are trying to sort of establish a difference. You know, since since both teams are now in UEFA competitions. They, they've had to sort of scale back the nature of the relationship between Salzburg and Leipzig. They've had to operate sort of officially as different entities, different businesses. Um, and you just wonder if it's, it's almost too obvious if sort of every every good Salzburg player coming through goes directly to Leipzig. And we saw what, what happened with, with Haaland. Uh, I wonder if, if the, the sort of Red Bull bosses are feeling a bit sick that Haaland is the one who, who didn't go to, to Leipzig. But at the same time, it, it did so much for the reputation of Salzburg, the fact that Haaland didn't stay sort of in-house, as it were, and, and went off elsewhere and, and forged a reputation for himself outside. I think that brought a lot more focus to Salzburg and a lot more attention to Salzburg, where these players are coming from. And I, I just think they're, they're trying to relax it a little bit and not make, sure, not make it the first option for, for every new signing. Yeah, certainly one to watch out for, whether it's Minamino or Patson Daka or one of the other many links between Salzburg and Liverpool. The Red Bull relationship is unlikely to be stopping anytime soon, I think. But certainly on Blood Red, it's something we'll keep an eye out for. But that's all we have time for on the latest Blood Red podcast. Thank you so much to Tom for joining me, the other Bundesliga podcast. I'm sure well worth your time checking out. Tom, thanks for your time. Appreciate the insight. Thanks a lot for having me. Cheers. No problem at all. From both of us, until next time, it's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.